Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twyla After Show. With me is Carl Wiggers and Kristen Oaks-White. Um, interesting story. Carl got rid of Avery, dumped him in the Everglades, and took his spot on the set. That's that's how I understand it. That's, that's exactly what happened. I went all the way to Florida and and just took care of it. Yeah. Well, Have you covered your tracks? Uh, no, I didn't. Actually, I'm, I'm just, it's just a matter of time before they come find me. Well, we've right. got it on recording. we got it on yeah. recording here. No. So. Hey, actually, Avery is in Florida, but he's on the beef tour, the 2020 beef tour, and they're uh, this is the first time they've gone to Florida, right? Yeah, it is. They've gone actually, they've gone now to Texas a couple times, I think. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, and now they've made the trek. I mean, they've touched all the close, the the touch the neighboring states, um, and then some, and now they've traveled off to Florida. And they went to a place that you know pretty well, right, Kristen? Dinkin Dairy. Yes. That was my very first story. Speaking of trial by fire, in terms of, yeah, you weren't there. It was Mm-mm. AJ and Avery. And I went on the membership benefits. Me- yeah, membership benefits trip. Trip. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was called. Like a reward trip? Yes. yes. Membership incentive trip. Incentive trip. And it was in Sarasota, Florida. And that was the very first stop on the first day. And they said, You're shooting the story. And I went, Okay. That was right after you got hired? Yes. Wow. I mean, that was, I had not even spent a week in the office, a day in the office yet. That Kinda was like, the first thing. Yeah. Sounds like Jennifer going to AFBF. Yes. It's a, that's what, exactly well, what it was like. What is Dakin, what, what makes Dakin Dairy special since you've done the story on it? What's, well, it what's that place like? 10 years ago. I would have to go back and watch, but I would hate to go back and watch it because it was not a very good package at the time, <laughs> considering what I've learned since then. But uh, this was a dairy that, are, and I think that they're probably still in existence today because of the way that they do things. They are vertically integrated in a way because they do all the bottling there themselves, and then they sell it directly to stores, Mm -hmm. and they make cheese there. They had a carousel. Avery mentioned this the other day, and I... I'm, I'm trying to, still trying to jostle my memory on what this was. He said the carousel. I, they had a milking carousel where the cows right. were, you know, mm-hmm. they would just circle around, mm-hmm. and that's how they would milk them. Um, they basically load them up on one end, and they just load them one after the other. The carousel turns, and there's another milking station, and it turns, right. and there's another milking station. And by the time they make it all the way around, they exit. They're done. They and they exit off. Is well, that? Yeah, and the yeah. the picture that Avery sent me. Um, he mentioned that they're still milking 300 cows every hour. I believe that's what it said. Wow. I wish that I knew we were going to be talking about this because I um, could have gone back and watched the package. Yeah. Well, he, he's going to have a story from that next week. Right. He's on the beef tour. He kind of gave us a little teaser this week on uh-huh. the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, he mentioned in there that it might look familiar to you. And I was kind of curious as to how that experience was being your first uh Oh first yeah. Ever shoot. Look, you did a lot better remembering your first story than I did mine. I couldn't. I couldn't even begin to remember. We going down that what road. That was. No, yeah, yours, we are not going say, down that road. A little bit. Mine's been a long time, but yours has been a yeah. lot longer. Yeah. One has. of one of my first stories. Since we're talking about it, one of my first stories as What's an intern was at Dairy Day. Yeah. Um, in Kentwood, I guess maybe. Yeah. Um, back as an intern here, and we should post that on the links we'll, we'll put some with links with this podcast yeah we'll put some links not mine yours oh no I'm putting yours too I, I know where I know how to work the YouTubes mine mine aren't even on the internets yeah were, they weren't around this was before the nets before the internets <laughs> not quite before the dawn we of man we had to put really. it on stone 
Yeah, it's it's pretty much it's a beta. It's on, it is on a beta tape, and well, we probably got them in the room next door. But one of mine is was a, a dairy store, and we we covered that, and it was interesting that you brought up very vertical integration because that was something that you saw and you still see in Louisiana at that time, unless they have a angle or a gig. We make cheese, mm-hmm. we make chocolate milk, something. They're, they're, they went out of business, yeah. I mean, fast here. So I, I'm sure it's the same in Florida. That's what I was going to ask about Dakin. I don't know if you remember this, but are they like a uh, – are they kind of a niche market bottling, or are they pretty much – are they pretty full – pretty big full-size production? You know, like I'm thinking of like Feliciana's no, best creamery full, here in Baton Rouge area. Well, 300 cows an hour is well, – Yeah, yeah, it was yeah a but full, I guess they're bottling for like mass, the mass market in that yeah, area. Yeah, I mean, it would look like what you would assume – like a Klein Peter level? Yeah, I mean, gotcha. maybe not to the... I, I don't know exactly how big Klein Peter is, but it was... From They're what I can remember, yeah. niche grocery stores or no. something like that. They're going all across the area. Right. No, you can look gotcha. them up on... Um, when I was posting that, they have a, a Facebook and gotcha. an Instagram and all that. Yes. I'm, just, I'm just curious. That's, at, like Neil said, that, that's a very... That's what people are having to do nowadays to stay active, stay you know in the businesses to yeah. find those little niche markets. I don't think... Doesn't sound like these guys are niche market. They're they're just be able to by volume, really maximize what they're I doing. I mean, yeah, they're. I don't think they're having to depend really on other people people to buy their milk mm-hmm. or how normal dairies mm-hmm. tend to operate. That's cool, Neil. I want to ask about this week's story because yeah. it's something that I've been getting asked about a lot. The coronavirus. Um, coronavirus. Yeah, we use that and and we talk about that on the show, but it's it's to highlight uh, not just the coronavirus problem, but the the problem with a lot of the markets right now. There's a couple of other viruses that are had been impacting the agriculture market: the Asian swine flu as well as the bird flu that mm-hmm. have affected those because that's depleting Chinese demand, and that's really the story going forward. After this uh, COVID nineteen coronavirus passes, we're still going to have to deal with whether or not China has as much demand. And and one of the things we touch on this week is the fact that they've passed that phase one deal with China, and not a lot of buying took place mm. after that. Um, especially right now, because most of um, South America's crop is coming in. They have a, looks like a bumper crop this year. And so we're not going to see that Chinese buying. I mean, they have to do some in good faith, is what, from what I understand from the agreement. But there's not, um, uh, they're just not going to be the demand in the U.S. for that, that stuff. So what's the, uh, I guess, the Reader's Digest version? I mean, markets are going down and crops are right. I mean crop prices are, are being hurt right well I mean first off the virus itself the COVID virus itself is not I mean it's not like the black plague or something like that that's going to kill you know just a huge amount I just read a thing today from FC Stone that said even in uh, Hubei province where this outbreak started to occur it's it's Wuhan but it's also Hubei the area there the infection rate was something like one percent so I mean even at the epicenter of it it's still not you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just the unknown of right. It it's the unknown of it. Any answers, and as well as trying to find um, the way to contain this this kind of stuff, and they don't know how much supply disruption. That's the biggest thing. Is since this started in China, which is supplying a lot of our materials all across the board industrially. Now it's interrupting that supply chain, and then we don't know. I mean. Yeah, it's not going to be that that huge or, or necessarily that fatal or kill a lot of people, but you're a parent and you've got a kid and you understand coronavirus is in your area. 
do you want the schools to be open to send your kids to? Mm. No. So school, you know, will schools start shutting down? Will businesses start shutting down? There's liability issues. There's that fear, as Kristen said, of the unknown. Mm. So when all those things shut down, it has an economic impact. And mm. the big thing is for agricultural markets is the demand for oil starts to go down. And that suppresses prices of our corn, especially, and then the other commodities, because mm. there's not that demand through ethanol and that sort of thing. So you know, like I said, when you look at the virus itself, it's not it's not really that huge of a deal. It's it's the same. I mean, in terms of fear or outbreak, it's like a flu, but it's an additional thing that the flu shot doesn't cover. And it has all of these additional effects that mm -hmm. we're going to see down, down the line. Right. Yeah. Um, and so that's the I, I I'm hope I hope I've kind of summed that up yeah, for that you. Oh, but it doesn't take a sneeze can cause hysteria that makes the markets change indeed and i've always said that that the markets are a like tweet. you know you know <laughs> a bunch of 12 year olds they just they freak out over everything and yeah. and and that sort of thing the fed did cut uh, the interest rate half a point which saw a big surge on monday we're down again 300 points today because they've already factored all that in and and like i said they they you know they just don't know plus there's also some other factors, like the fact that maybe this market is oversold, overbought, and has been. I mean, they're, they're talking about that, that it may go – we're just seeing it go down now to where it was six months ago when we had this big bubble of, of uh, buying. And it even at that point, it may still be overbought. Mm. I mean, for instance, the market lost, what, uh, several trillion dollars last week. Did your economy change? As a per, as individuals, not really. Maybe your retirement funds got affected, but it really didn't have an impact on the day to day people. Which is another thing that some economists are fearing that there's this disparity between what Wall Street is going through and what people are going through day to day and their buying power. What effect will it have on consumer confidence mm. going forward? And if that dips, then then we're going to see a whole nother thing. Fortunately, um, food does. People still need to eat every single day. And the other thing I think it shows is the fact that look at what this fear of this unknown did mm -hmm. to supply chains. What if instead of just our industrial goods that we're getting from China, we were getting food from China or from any other country? We were mm -hmm. dependent on those other countries. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about countries who may say, you know what, we can't send, we're not sending any shipments because we don't want to spread the disease or we don't want to get the disease. Now we're not getting, we're if we were dependent on those countries for food, then what? We're in a bind. Right. It, and it food only, prices are going to just skyrocket. They would shoot up. So it only, to me, highlights the importance of our farmers and ranchers and growing a domestic product here in the United mm. States. We always need farmers and ranchers, and the United States strength has always been having a base of agriculture to support all of our citizens. And we've got to, I mean, it's something, when we talk about agriculture policy, I know it gets abstract. I know it gets a lot of big words and economic terms and that kind of thing, but it, what it boils down to is supporting our farmers so that we never get in a scenario like this where we are dependent mm -hmm. on another country for our food and fiber. Well, we say it all the time that American farmers grow the safest, most cheapest. reliable, the cheapest uh, food in the world. And right. it's kind of nice to have that in our own backyard, especially when something like this happens across the country, uh, across the world, that could make us you know, go into straight Be nice panic. if the majority of consumers understood that. Yeah. Well, we're doing, we're doing what we can. You know, even if it wasn't the cheapest food, which sometimes it's not, 
it's the most affordable, which means mm-hmm. that the price you're paying is part of the food security that you get. And, mm-hmm. and that's always I, I, worth it, right. I mean, as we've seen. And you pay less than any other, any other developed country. Right. The cost of food exactly. in America is less. You're right. Absolutely. And it's due to those our, our wonderful infrastructure and our constant supply from farmers. Um, speaking of farmers and growing stuff, are you finally growing stuff in your backyard, Carl? It's kind of growing. I'll be honest. Uh, I haven't. Who would know? Because we don't have any proof because you didn't bring us any. I didn't bring any. anything. I'm sorry. So there's really not much to bring. I did. I kind of got to be honest. I did send some red butterhead with my mother-in-law the other day. So got to keep her happy. She's happy. Yes. So I'm sorry about that. I did have something I could have brought you, but she got it instead. So, anyways, I, I've I've got two plantings. I plant them like ideally in a perfect world. I'll be planting lettuce once a week, once every ten days to be putting in my rotation, so that as some are being harvested, some are being planted back into the system. That's how I envisioned it whenever I started. I've not been nearly as consistent <laughs> as I should have been. And uh, as I was writing my script, I was thinking back, Mindy, I was like, man, how long has it been since I really did anything? And it was the week, the day before I left for the international trip, I did some cleaning up, which was mid-January. So it's been six weeks since I really touched it until this weekend. So basically what he's saying in not so many words is all he had was a little pile of dirt mm-hmm. and he just went to Home Depot and got some transplants and then he shot the No, update. no, that's not true. They were, I, those. What, what's in the... How would we know? Well, I got video with tons of timestamps, not really. <laughs> um, but no, what's in there was uh, planted right before the international trip and it's grown not very much because I haven't been given it constant nutrients that it needs. And you could see that in the algae that I cleaned out of my pipes because as those nutrients left, algae kind of started making its way. It kind of became kind of more stagnant. Stagnant, yeah. Yeah. So I probably, those, the what, what what's planted in there now, I kind of had to clean them up a little bit, get some of the algae off the roots, but I got fresh nutrients rolling through there now. This week in the show, what I talked about was kind of the things that I didn't get to touch on whenever I built this system, which was, you know, maintenance and, uh, you know, getting the nutrients in there. I just didn't have time in the story to get all that in there. You need to get you a goldfish, let it fly through, go in your pipes. It'll eat the algae, keep it clean, and then it'll recycle that. There's water constantly flowing through there. I don't know. That would be neat. Though. And then they could, and then <laughs> they would, funny. their waste would fertilize your. Uh, that would become aquaponics. I could, I could do that though. I could, could turn try. my reservoir into, it'd take extra steps. But anyways, I talked more in this week's show about the fertilizer that I use, um, how I plant my seeds because whenever I built it, I pretty much built an empty system that didn't have any plants in it. So I kind of broke all that down in this week's show. And one thing that I, I remembered and I. As I was doing this, I was like, man, a little bit of maintenance and a little bit of effort once a week goes a long way. Yeah. Because whenever I had to kind of recover it and bring it back from <laughs> six weeks of negligence, I had to, uh, it took me about an hour, hour and a half. Thank goodness I had some, my nephews were in were in town for ag leadership graduation and mm-hmm. I, I, I put them to work because they were uh, cheap, easy labor. <laughs> so they were looking yeah. for a reason to get nasty before graduation. So anyways, they, they came out and helped me, but like I had to wash out all my pipes and add the fertilizer i had to get rid of some water in my system to kind of have more anyway there was a lot of work to kind of do but uh yeah i'm I'm excited about it i'm feeling optimistic kristen mentioned on the show kind of when you plant something 
you kind of your enthusiasm kind of trails after a little bit so i'm kind of feeling fresh and excited about it all over again so well, i think we'll it's see. pretty cool you're growing that it's neat it's a, it's a fun project it's i mean it's a science project in my backyard yeah so it's, it's fun um speaking of homegrown stuff this week's field to feast is uh about crawfish mm, homegrown as i was reading and i was we were working on the scripts and stuff for the show i was like writing and reading and i was like man this is making me so hungry because mm-hmm. we have crawfish and i was watching some of that segment which has let's see if i can say this right it's kind of a chicken and dumplings play on uh with crawfish mm-hmm. is what chef tory makes um and just seeing the spread they had as they were getting ready to cook it that shot they use in the second half of the segment where they're preparing the food it's just it's beautiful and i was just like oh this food i'm so hungry right now mm-hmm. but it looks really good i'm excited about you know i'm out jennifer's told us this before that she takes you know she plays back the segment and sees if she can follow every step to make whatever it is they're making right and i've yet to try that but i think i'm going to try that i can't do it with crawfish but something soon i'm going to watch one of these and I may yet do the crawfish. I just can't share it with Brittany because she's allergic. But uh, uh, I was about um, to say, why can't you do the crawfish? No, I totally could, but she wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Me and her dad can eat it. But anyways, that's it looks like one of those dishes. It's like, man, I've never even seen this before, but it, it looks really awesome. And it's really neat seeing them also out in the – they're out in the field. Yeah, pulling picking traps. up the crawfish, yeah. And, and uh, that's uh, – it's, it's a fun it's a fun element to it. part of Taylor Fry's family. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's her – I think – I don't know – What's Uncle cousins, name? Matt. Uh, Matt Fry. Mm-hmm. I think that's who was in the story. So okay, that's her that's dad. Her dad. Right? So yeah, wow. Um, so that's gonna be cool. And Ryan Fry, speaking of ag leadership, right, yeah. was in my class. That's part of the same family. Yep. Um, of Fry's up in Morganza Way. So and a the lot ones, of them. Yeah, the, the ones them. I did a couple of weeks ago. They were interviewed. They were um, a distant relation to connected. Her. Yeah, these they said all the fries are, are related I'm like sure that. They are. Ryan and Taylor look alike too. Yeah, they, they can, do. They've they got do. a strong family resemblance. Um, it's going to be a cool segment. I highly yeah. recommend it. I, I can't wait. I want to eat some of that though. Kristen, you found a neat boost this week. Uh, it's about a school. Where it would have been. I wish I'd have found it last week since last week was National FFA Week, and it was just a a random post that I stumbled upon about a high school FFA chapter in Arkansas that has one of the has an extremely diverse student body mm-hmm. I think I don't want to quote because I'd have to go back and look at the script of it something like 300 of the families in that town English is not their first language oh, wow. Wow. Or, and I think it's 300 of the students in the school but I could be wrong um so it's a I mean there's a diverse group of students in the town and in the in the school well all of those kids are a lot of them are involved in the FFA chapter Hmm. so the the video is talking about how you know the chapter embraces the diversity and the things that they're teaching to each other and learning from each other one of the kids um, grew up on a vegetable farm in venezuela so it was one of the lessons that they were talking about growing vegetables she had some firsthand experience of you know this is how we did it on the farm that i grew up on in a totally different part of the world yes and so the the whole crux of the story was that they're you know it's a really diverse chapter it's not like most traditional Mm -hmm. ffa chapters but they all had one thing in common and that was their desire to learn about agriculture that's cool the well-produced video 
Yes, you. I, I thought that was one of the things I thought you would appreciate about it because you know, some sometimes when they're if they're a student produced video Could look or kind of student, it look no, it look. I don't know who produced it, but it looks good. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes because mm-hmm. I know I'm sure we won't be able to get all of it into the the yeah, uh, show. Yeah, feeling, but we can put a link in here and people can find it and watch the whole video because uh, sounds awesome. I'm I'm ready to go see it now. So. Let's go do that. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of podcasts, we've got um, one coming up uh, oh, with do. Mushroom Maggie. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, uh, that was all. You saw that piece last week. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a new podcast for that solely um, yeah. focused on that. It was a 30 minute conversation with Jennifer and Maggie. It was, yeah. I'm sorry, I inter- cut no, you no, off. No, no, no. It's good. It's in depth, is it what I was going to say. In depth. Great stories. A lot of stuff that was left out of the TV show, the TV uh, edited package. Um, I was I was sitting actually right here in this chair, and I was just like, "Whoa, oh, okay, wow, yeah. wow, it's, okay, it's, okay, I see, all right." But it was a it was an incredible conversation. Jennifer said it went too long. I said, "Y'all, we just got going, right?" Um, but it was fascinating, fascinating. There's some awesome people. She brought us mushrooms as well. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm excited about it. I took them home, and um, I'm gonna find. Speaking of cooking, I'm gonna try to find some way to use those. I've never had real mushrooms, according to Maggie. She's like, oh, you haven't. If you've never tried ours, you haven't tried mushrooms. <laughs> okay. Interesting. But uh, you mentioned podcasts. We have another podcast starting. Grassroots Government. Grassroots Government. We're going to have it starting up this week end, some Friday or Monday, somewhere in that range. Um, we've done this segment for three, three years now, I think. Yes. Um, it's a weekly video segment when Louisiana legislature is in session, but we're taking it a step further this year with a podcast we're going to have joe mapes uh myself avery davidson and andy brown and andy brown is going to come in and add the national level uh, of discussion and so uh we'll have joe mapes weekly during the session and probably i think we'll probably bump it back down to monthly or so just as needed after the session where we'll talk state and national politics um so uh, it's gonna be cool. Look for that on the uh, wherever you find your podcast. And I know it'll be on Apple, Spotify, and uh, Google. I think, um, and wherever else you probably listen. I'll probably have them all all those places. But we're working on that this week, and we'll have our first recording this Friday. So if you're listening to this, we probably we may yet be sitting in this room recording while you're listening to this podcast. Who knows? Very cool. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, it should be good. On behalf of Kristen Oaks-White and Carl Wiggers, myself, Neil Malawson, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play, and let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring (laughs) your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them, let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twyla After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 